From Capybara Media, this is You're Gonna Be Great, the self-care podcast that supports you through life's ups and downs with real mental health and wellness conversations delivered via pop culture. Here's your host, Misty Evans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You're Gonna Be Great Books. I'm here with China Johnston and Alex Davis to talk Acomath, Acawar, and Acasif. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Today, we're going to be talking about how traumatized people dream of someone to save them. And the power of these three books is that Sarah J. Mass shows how we can save ourselves. And it, I think it also shows the power of community, too. Yeah. Let's dive in. What do you guys think? I mean, if we're going to start, mm. if we can start at Mist and Fury, I think in that book, it really shows because that's where she leaves Tamlin and gets to know Reese and more. And I think that's where it really shows where she starts like building her own character, like on her own and not off of Tamlin. Yes. And not also connected to her family where she kind of finds herself separate from being the provider and protector of her sisters and father Mm -hmm. and kind of like the outcast in that family. And then separate from also Tamlin, like you said, who's like her protector. Is that what you said? Yes. I would say kidnapper, but kidnapper, kidnapper (laughs) posing as a protector. (laughs) At this point, it's her, we get the feeling that she's felt lonely for a long time, but at this point, it's her first time actually like being alone, um, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she steps away from that kind of situation with Tamlin. She's alone. She talks about it a lot. I actually noticed that loneliness is a very strong theme in all of Mass's work, which I love because I think it's so unifying and everyone can identify with that in some way. She steps away and she is alone and she goes through this grieving process of grieving her relationship with Tamlin and also working through the PTSD of her scarcity, upbringing, and poverty and all of that. And also everything that happened under the mountain. Yeah, I was just going to say she's at this point, she's also died, been reborn and has lost her humanity in her brain. At least she's lost her humanity, but still kind of holds on to that well-being transformed. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because there's very much like an emotional transformation that's taking place right now in this book, as well as a physical one. Like she's getting used to her new fae body. She's kind of stepping into her own power in a very literal sense and Mm -hmm. also in like an emotional like healing sense. Yeah, I think one of the things that I noticed that I kind of have mixed feelings on is that her growth and like maturity isn't really independent because she doesn't really have time to be alone between Tam and Reese. And I think that Reese does help her grow and mature and like come into her own power, which is kind of friendship building between them. But it's not really like independent because she does do a lot of comparing like she compares Reese to Tamlin a lot. Mm, yeah. You're saying that she goes from kind of like one relationship maybe to the next in right. some degree. I could like see that. literally overnight. I could see that. I feel like Reese and his friends, the inner circle, they kind of set up a safe space for her Mm -hmm. to grow and to like recover from her trauma. I don't know if I feel like he like healed her as much as like created a space where she could heal. But I do think that she kind of left the relationship with Tamlin and was on the fence about Reese for a while. So she Mm -hmm. didn't do a lot of exploring, I guess, who she was independent of the relationship. Right. That's true. Yeah. 
I guess that's something that I hadn't really thought about because in, in my brain, I kind of forget that she is kind of smothered by both of them. And I keep thinking about like the times that she's alone, like learning how to read and stuff and just by herself. But somebody's always looming around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he speaks to her through their like her mind. So he's like always there, right? Yeah. That'd be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of on the, I'm kind of split of whether or not I think that's a bad thing. Part of me is like, in reality, it's probably a good thing for us all to have some time alone, not in a relationship to grow and figure ourselves out. But at the same time, it's super, super important for mental health for us to have a community. Like community is one of the biggest factors in like good mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Or like Mm -hmm. healing from like trauma and stuff. So I feel like he does a pretty good job, not a perfect job, but I think I feel like Reese does a pretty good job of being like, here's a safe space for you. We're your friends. We're here to support you, but we're not going to do it for you. Like there's nothing that I can do for you. I'm going to put you in situations that force you to grow, but ultimately like you're the one that has to make the choices to do it. And we've talked about this before, but like kind of when she's at the Weavers, he doesn't save her. He doesn't swoop in and rescue her. He's very much like, here's a shitty situation I'm putting you in because I'm a dickhead. You have to (laughs) learn that you can save yourself and like you can get yourself out of this. And she does. But at the same time, but at the same time, he has an ulterior motive. That's true. Wife and her up. Well, yeah, but like, like getting his mom's ring back or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he does. But I, the, whole, I, the whole thing is to get her her wedding ring. Yeah, which is and he knows that. Yeah, yeah. Little shit. He's such a shit. Um, I love it. I love it too. I think he's hilarious. But, I do too. but even though he has the ulterior movie, he still doesn't, there's still not that rescue element. Mm-hmm. Tamlin wanted to fix her and save her and protect her in his mind and like do everything for her. And I felt like Reese just provided a safe place where she could be pushed and prodded and grow. And she even she says that when she's when they give her the option to join the inner circle. There's that moment where she's like, do I want to work with these people? They seem like the kind of people who would push me, who would challenge me. And like, maybe that's what I need right now. And I thought that was a good setup for what happens because none of them go particularly easy on her. Like Cass beats the hell out of her. So does Azrael when he's teaching her how to fly. Reese puts mm-hmm. her in horrible situation. Is like, you might die. I don't know. And like never shows up to help her. And so I think it sets up this really nice community for her, but ultimately, she's the one that has to rescue herself which Mm -hmm. I really like because that's the truth like nobody can swoop in and save us like nobody's coming to save us we have to do the work right right I think a kind of interesting part of that too is every single character in this series has some intense trauma they're dealing with. No one is unscathed. And I think Tamlin and his smothering and his like overprotectiveness is a direct result from his like trauma that he's still dealing with. But it doesn't feel like he's really worked on healing it. Instead, he's just like kind of overbearing because of it. And he he almost like makes his trauma her trauma. Oh, yeah. Whereas Rissand is dealing with some shit from under the mountain and he doesn't ever really put that on her and he doesn't make it her problem unless she's like willing to take it on when she like finds him and he's really upset. She's there for him as community too, but he doesn't make his trauma hers. Yeah. Or use it as an excuse to treat her like shit like Tamlin did. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Did Mass explain Tamlin's parent situation? Like what his parents were like? I think yes. I don't remember it super well, but I don't think that he liked his dad uh, very much. I think his dad was a pretty like stern person. I don't remember a lot about his mom. If I'm misremembering, please let me know. But I actually feel like it was one of those cases of like they were mates, but they didn't actually like each other. Yeah, I think you're I think right. That's what it was. And his dad seemed kind of like a hardcore asshole. I mean, he's the one that tariff situation. Yeah, all the tie, that's what I meant. It was like super strict and didn't they fight on the side of the they, not the humans, right? I think so. Yeah, like Tamlin's dad fought to keep humans as slaves. Slaves, essentially. Yeah. This is making me want to do a reread so bad. <laughs> I mean, I've reread them like four times because they make me happy and also cry a lot. I don't know what that's about. And then Rhysand's parents, Tamlin killed his mom, right? And like put his wings, put her wings in his like dining room. Yes. They both killed each other's parents. Okay. But Tamlin did it first. Tamlin killed Rhysand's mom and sister. And then they retaliated and killed Tamlin's dad and mom and brothers. But originally, the mom was supposed to be off limits. And the dad did it, I guess. Rhysand's dad did it against what Rhysand wanted. Yeah, so that's a lot of childhood trauma, I would say, for each of those men. (laughs) Or those males. (laughs) And then after everything that Rhysand went through under the mountain, he's just like ultra traumatized. And Tamlin too, but Tamlin just doesn't do the work. Like he's just all about believing that he's fucking awesome and just going about his life, being a massive D-bag and blaming everybody else for his shit. Like in Aquawar, where they, you know, are having that that meeting to talk about the war Tamlin can't for the life of him take any responsibility for the fact that Feyre left him because he was mistreating her it's like Mm -hmm. she's a whore Rhysand took her he's not to blame in any way there's no responsibility taken there's no like self-actualization like just he has done zero of the work where like Rhysand's an utter badass and terrifying but he doesn't take it out on his friends or family he creates safe spaces for other traumatized people in the library (laughs) he like puts up with Nesta's bullshit and even helps create like a safe space for her in Akasif I mean it's just it's a very good parallel in like dealing working I shouldn't say dealing with working through your trauma and taking no responsibility for anything that you've done and blaming everyone for everything that's ever happened to yeah yeah i mean he just he pretends that it didn't happen essentially like he never works through it at all doesn't allow favor to work through it he's just like nope didn't happen let's just resume how things were exactly so yeah doesn't she like i mean at the end of when she saves tamlin and like his heart isn't stone anymore it feels like he even becomes worse like when he has like his like heart back (laughs) he's like even worse than when he had like a rock for a heart. Well, that's that's actually yeah. exactly what I meant by like making his trauma her trauma. I yeah. think he's like so overprotective of her because he did lose so much. He lost his oh, entire yeah. family. And so then he's like, oh my gosh, I like have to hold on to her. And then like traumatizes the shit out of her. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. 
Thank you for adding that detail. I spaced on it. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I, because, you know, Instagram and like, I'm a parent. So like parenting shit is like 90% of my feed. And there was a, a woman talking recently about how people where there's like any kind of like emotional neglect that what can happen is people will put that on their kids and be really paranoid that they're going to lose them or that they're not giving them enough tension or like, you know, they try to kind of overcompensate for the things that they're lacking. And I feel like that's what Tamlin did like he lost a lot and instead of doing the work was just like Farrah can never leave me Farrah has to be safe Farrah has to be kept in this fucking house where like nothing can hurt her ever and like you said just putting all of his trauma on her where like everybody over kind of in the inner circle in the night court they're just like all about creating safe spaces like even for Nesta in Akasif and like put in an actual I mean they a little bit lock her in not really she would just have to work really, really hard to get out. But they really, put really it hard. Really, really hard, which is like a lot <laughs> of what we see in Akasif is her just working out so that she can get out of the house, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that every other chapter is like, and then she went down the stairs and then she went back up the stairs and then she went down the stairs and then back up the stairs. But it, what I love about it is it's showing her do the work. It's, you know, there's scenes of her showing like her doing the work and the progress, right? Because like as she gets closer to the bottom of the stairs, she also gets closer to healing and Mm -hmm. they just kind of create the safe community for her. I read on the National Alliance on Mental Health or sorry, on mental illness webpage, that the reason community is super important is because it creates a sense of belonging, it offers support and purpose. And I was thinking of Nesta and Akasif when I read that, because they like her purpose, you know, is like they give her a purpose, they give her a job at the library, they give her a purpose, which is like training with Cass, who is like ruthless, they offer her support that she doesn't want to take, but it's there. And then she also like kind of creates her own community aside from that. And she doesn't set off feeling like she belongs in anything, but they do offer it to her. They're like, you can be like, fill this role. And then she like kind of steps into it a little bit and goes to the war meeting. And so I feel like that's what I thought of when I read that. I was like, oh, that's what they do for Nesta a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, like they do a really good job, like the the inner circle and the night court do a really, really good job of including everybody, even when they're like, it's a nice way to put this, just like going crazy, like wiling out. Like Nesta was losing her mind and like was lashing out at everybody, everybody, and everybody just had to watch. And they still created that space for her to like participate in like what's going on in reality. That's so true. And I think that that also brings another really important thing to light, which is that like you can't force people to do the work. Like Mm -hmm. Feyre tried to talk to her a bunch of times tried to like create a space for her she wasn't willing and then finally she got to a point where she chose to train with Cass she chose to go up and down the stairs and she had a goal she chose to befriend people that like she'd never had friends before like these are very sad sisters like none of them had friends growing up I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on with that but like you know she made those choices and then like you can see the healing start to unfold but like nobody could make her do it they could set her up for success but that's the max that they could do for a long time she fought it and she was horrible 
I think that one thing that I think was interesting with Feyre and Nesta, like specifically, but I think also Elaine was a lot of their like healing or their like adapting to their environments had a whole lot to do with their natural curiosity. They were curious about things that they ended up learning on their own. Like when Nesta wants to know what's in the like bottom of the library. Oh yeah. And that's when she like starts to talk to like Gwen, like what what's down there. It's like that that moment that she's like curious enough to be like, okay, maybe I'll get strong and I'll do this and I'll be able to figure things out and like help out with whatever's happening because there's something crazy that's down there and I want to know. That's a really good point. And also that's how she ends up learning about the Valkyrie. If she mm-hmm. hears about it and then is like, Oh, what's that about? Mm-hmm. I think what's kind of interesting with her story specifically is like the first person that she opened up to isn't even a person. It's a it's the house. Mm-hmm. And the house, I feel like to an extent that is a part of healing from trauma and going through that is a lot of time you need that thing that encourages you to open up, but it's not always actually a person. Sometimes it's like journaling or, you know, like doing art and expressing yourself in a creative way so that you're like starting to open up, but you're not necessarily like being vulnerable with others yet. And right. You're like opening that, up to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that her like becoming friends with the actual house i love that so much yeah actually their relationship is so fun i know i loved that part too i thought that was such a like i don't know unique element to like the fantasy like story but also i don't know you just connect with this object (laughs) yeah well and it allows her the space to not feel like the others are going to judge her but also to start opening up and kind of exploring her interests and curiosities and passions which i love yeah No, that's, and a lot of people when they're healing, they feel embarrassed or ashamed. Like a lot of Nesta's thing is shame, right? Like she feels really ashamed about the way that she's coped, you know, like a lot of her coldness and being awful and mean to everyone around her, like her defense mechanisms and how she survived all of this stuff going on. Um, You know, she lost her mother, they lost their fortune, they were, you know, starving and in poverty and then like forced into a cauldron and, you know, becoming something she's always been afraid of and and she's just her pride and everything is how she's protected herself and so for her especially but also Feyre like Feyre like you said she uses painting as a way to kind of at least in the first book you know to kind of heal yeah she uses that as like a way to heal and then also later you see her doing it again where she's connecting with herself and Nesta does that with the house it's like a completely non-judgmental way for her to connect with someone or something and you also see that with her with training the cast like when he took her to the Illyrian camp and she was being such a cringy asshole I was like cringing when I was listening to those chapters because she mm. was humiliating Cassian who is the sweetest guy in the world mm-hmm. and I was just like stop being a fucking dick like get up and then you start to realize that it's because she's worried about embarrassing herself in front of everybody because she's such a guarded person like that. She needs that kind of very ultra safe, like non-judgmental kind of opportunity to like really look at herself and like really work through her stuff. So Definitely. I love that you brought up the house. That's perfect. 
Well, like the house for me, you know, I sometimes I get nervous that like, I don't know, I, I have like a little bit of social anxiety for sure. And sometimes oh. I get nervous that like people won't accept me or people will like not have the same interests as me and stuff. And like with art, it's really hard to connect with people on that because not everyone has the same like interests. But her and the house being able to connect on like smut and then her having like friends that connect with her on smut. I have mm-hmm. had that experience in life at this point where like people that I never would have expected to be like into super spicy books are very into it and it's made it so that I have some like really fun connections and friendships with people that I never would have thought possible so like I actually feel like that's a perfect example of like you know it might be something that people could judge you for you're into smut But when you're like embraced by that with other people and they're like, no, like tell me the spiciest book you've ever read, that almost feels like a hug. You're like, you accept me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so having no. the house be like, here's your smut, it's like beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No, for it sure. really is. And so it's funny that you say that because one, it 100% reminds me of this podcast and all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, China, do you remember when you came over to my house? And yes, I mean, we that's were exactly friends. what I mean. Yeah, like we were friends before and you came over. But like, Alex, I haven't told you the story. Like, China and I already knew each other because our husbands are friends and they work together. Mm. Or, sorry, your partner, my husband, whatever. Our partners work together. <laughs> and so we had already hung out quite a bit. We were already friends. But then one night, China came over and she's like, she turns and looks at my media center where I have all of the Akatar books. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, you've read those? And oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she like held up her necklace and it was from that and then I like pointed to like my night court mug and then we literally talked for like four hours like our partners were like are you guys (laughs) seriously still talking about that series like what the fuck and like we just went on and on (laughs) they were like are you guys seriously still we were like in this dark hole of theories and being like it was so much fun and Alex that's how we've been hanging out like Mm -hmm. so It's just such a perfect way to connect with people. And the National Alliance on Mental Illness actually says like the best way to find community is through interests, values, or beliefs. And like, Mm -hmm. what better way than like smutty fantasy book? I mean, for sure. Especially smutty fantasy books about overcoming like a dark place, because I feel like almost everybody that I've talked to that has picked up this series was in a really dark place when they did. Because it's like we're all just kind of looking for a little bit of an escape from like our own self-criticism that we want to just move into this fantasy world while we can and just like escape the like, I don't know, like the body shakes and the like crying at night. like that kind of stuff and then like to be able to connect with other people on that really does build a stronger bond than just having something in common how amazing is it that like you know we're we're sitting here talking about a book series and healing trauma and healing you know just issues through like community and then these same books that are doing that have provided us all with community it's mm-hmm. so cool i love it so much because yeah like, Even at my company party last night, a bunch of us were like, oh my God, what book are you on? Have you finished it? And like, we're all just so excited about it. And it's like so bonding. It's so bonding. I don't think I've read a book that does that quite as much as this series. Yeah. And I really love like in the last book, the Nesta book, how what you were saying about the house connecting with her on the smutty books, but also her and Gwen and what's the other girl's name? The shopkeeper. Emery. Emery. How they all bond on that too. Yeah. 
they all like are like, oh my God, are you into those books too? And then it's like immediately they're like best friends. It was like awkward for a little bit. And then they found that each of them like that kind of stuff. And then they just like talk about it. And then they have the sleepover at the house with the house. And it's like, I don't know. I, I love that part where they like just become like best friends. <laughs> it's so yeah. perfect. And then and then they all find a purpose together. And like Nesta provides them with the same kind of safe place to work through their stuff. Like mm -hmm. with the Valkyrie training. Seriously, guys, we've got to convince somebody locally to start like a Valkyrie class. Yes, we really yes. do. We <laughs> really do. Just want to throw daggers at things and like kick stuff. Same. I want to get like a weighted sword and swing it around. Yes, I'm serious. How fun would that be? Just a class of women just training to do weird shit. I think it'd be so much fun. That would be really fun. I've done like archery classes, which was fun, except everybody was like looking at me weird when I wore elf ears. So I never did that again. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, I think that that should be a rule is that we should all wear elf ears when we train. So. Right? Like that's a must. Oh my God. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Oh, seriously, we've got to work on this. Um, yes, we're the Nesta crew. I love it. And then it's funny because I like started out fucking hating her. Like she was really triggering for me. I think part of it because I also kind of identified with her. Mm -hmm. Like because when I was younger, I was super guarded too. Like I was really icy and cold on the outside and just like very tough exterior. Um, and I had a really hard time being vulnerable with people, which is so me funny too. because then like my career became about just info dumping my life online, which is weird. But honestly, I think that reading really was a part of that. Like I started reading a lot of books by people like Jenny Lawson, who was mm, like, mm -hmm. just all like, just so vulnerable and open and, and hilarious really, and hilarious. And I just admired that so much and mm -hmm. just started like trying out that kind of like honest vulnerability in my own writing. And it really like started connecting me with other people. I was really isolated when I was, you know, living in Italy and then writing and reading kind of created this community for me there that I mean kind of helped me get out of that and so when I was reading the Nesta book I was like really triggered and I was like why am I so mad at her and I was like oh my god like I identify with this a lot like yeah. just being so that and then you know kind of working through it which is also why I think that book made me cry the most like I was like look at Nesta doing the stairs all the way like it was mm -hmm. like yeah well and I also love that in her story there's also that element of like support from a person that like she can trust like with Cassian like knowing that these women have boundaries and they don't spend time with men and him just like kind of staying back and waiting for them to like express that they're like ready to like either receive training or like be around somebody who has traits of of the men that have abused them and like mm -hmm. he's just kind of like holding space for them and not being in their space but still being able to like train and help them and also like helping Nesta train and help them too yeah it I actually sense. was oh. kind of thinking along those lines something that's really cool about these books too is that like no one's like healed that's not the point the point mm -hmm. isn't to heal it's just to get better Mm -hmm. And like all of these people who are dealing with very varying degrees of trauma together are better for each other, for themselves. They're better, but like they don't have to be fixed. And I love that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And they all have a really messy side, all of them. But I, I also think in that same that same vein, I think that she also shows really well how to respect how to be respectful and respect boundaries without coddling. 
Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. calves and as do not coddle. There is zero fucking coddling. Like when they're mm-hmm. training these women, they are respectful of their history and their traumas. They're very respectful about like body boundaries, but they do not coddle. Like they're like, I will not touch you because <laughs> that's not cool. But like, yeah. I will bark at you to stop talking and do, you know, a hundred more push-ups because that's what you're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that too, because it's like not about like treating them like they're like made of glass and are going to fall apart. Like it's about understanding what they've been through, respecting them, respecting boundaries. And at the same time, like knowing that they're strong and like supporting them in the way that they're trying to improve. I love it. Like we're doing with this podcast and all of our <laughs> lovely listeners on this journey together. And um, actually, we're we're out of time. That flew by. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, China and Alec, again, for an awesome conversation. And I'll see y'all again next week. Thank you. Have a good yeah, day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to You're Gonna Be Great. You can always find episode notes and the transcript on the website, You're Gonna Be Great. Follow us on Instagram at You're Gonna Be Great to see what's next. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to share it with your friends or take a moment to leave a review. Thanks so much. See you next week. And remember, you're going to be great.